0: Welcome to the ultimate NBA season preview. I'm your host, Tanitra Batista, and in this six episode series, we'll go around the NBA getting insight and analysis from all 30 of our locked on NBA shows with local coverage in a way no one else can. So, in this episode, episode three, Jake Madison joins us from Locked On Pelicans. Joe Melenix Locked On Grizzlies. Doug Nori Locked On Nets. Nick Engsted Locked On Mavs. And Sean Woodley Locked On Rappers. So, Nick, we'll start with you. The Mavericks ended last season in a terrible way. It's kind of tough going out for Dallas. How will they be different this season?
1: Oh, hopefully a lot different this season because last season was just one of the dumbest worst seasons I've seen in a long time. The way that the Mavs went out. Uh, You only had 16 games with Luca and Kyrie. They were, they only played four straight games together twice. Like they basically just played every other game. They were hurt at the end of the season. Their defense was already bad in the season. And then it got worse after the trade and it just crumbled all the way down to the studs. They, they, Tanked the last two games, which was a great move because they ended up getting the draft pick that became Derek Lively, that became Omax Prosper, and became Rashawn Holmes. Now, all on the team and all have a chance to play here for the Dallas Mavericks. So, they added a bunch of new guys, a ton of new faces for the Mavericks. Grant Williams is going to be big for their culture as well as their defense and their shooting. Seth Curry comes in, he's going to help their shooting. uh, Their rookies that, that are coming in, Derek Lively may start for this team. Like he's going to start in preseason. We'll see if what what happens with him going forward. But this team should be a lot different just because they're starting with everybody here. They're not like trying to create something in the middle of a season. And uh, Luke and Kyrie still good. Still won their minutes when they were on the court. They just got to figure out how to win minutes when one of them is off the court.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great point that you make because that's kind of, it's, it's like a true, like a hard reset, if you will. Whereas if I look at the Pelicans, not exactly, Jake, a hard reset, but a reset in some way nonetheless because of Zion Williamson and kind of the in and out, if you will, from last season. And of course, the eventful summer, we'll call it eventful. So when you look at Zion's health, where does his health stand and kind of where does he stand with all that off the court stuff?
2: Yeah, you know, Great you look word. at this this Pelicans team, and it seems like they're just kind of running everything back, and it's kind of yes. business as usual. But it's actually really far from that. And we can get mm-hmm. to Zion here in a second with it. But they made a lot of uh, changes behind the scenes. They've revamped their player performance and care team. They've dealt with a ton of injuries, not just to Zion Williamson, but even a guy like Brandon Ingram who missed 29 yeah. straight games at one point last season. Right? Health has always been the problem for the Pelicans, and this is the first year in five years that they've made some significant changes to try and maybe just get player buy-in a little bit more keep these guys healthier because on paper they're a very talented team they just got to stay healthy and that's been impossible for them you know I think that also applies to Zion Williamson something woke him up this offseason whether it was being kind of in the press for a lot of the wrong reasons and that's putting it very mildly he's also you know what started all this is going to be having a daughter in November and maybe that's caused him to mature a little bit but at Media Day you know on Monday he spoke about how he's hired new trainers to be with him a nutritionist a personal trainer he spent the entire offseason in New Orleans working out at the team facility, which is the first time that he's ever done that. He talked about wanting to build a better relationship with the team, that he's just kind of like finally being an actual professional NBA player in a way that he hasn't been before. So all of those changes to me, I think, are pretty significant. And if it means he can be healthy during the season, this team's good. They were first in the West in December when he was healthy and they didn't even have Brandon Ingram. They had a top six offense with him out there. A top five defense, one of the few teams that could look at that, uh, be that way for a period of time. If he can stay healthy, this team's still going to be really good. And that's kind of what they're banking on. And everyone's saying and doing all the right things right now.
1: No one asked Jake why Zion woke up. No, one. no one asked. Jake. <laughs> <laughs> don't Probably afraid
2: <laughs>
0: uh, we, we
2: don't need the show to get like banned from YouTube quickly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and we can't go off the rails that early, right, guys? But speaking of (laughs) off the rails and probably needing to get back on the rails at some point is John Marancho. Of course, he is uh, suspended for 25 games, so that's uh, certainly something that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show because that's important as far as, like, the pecking order in the Western Conference, right? But swinging back over to the East, Sean, you know – Pascal Siakam was Mr. Popularity this off season, right? It seemed like every person, it seemed like every team, every day was in the whole Pascal Siakam rumor mill. So this summer, rumors: Will he stay? Will he go? Well, of course, so far he stayed in Toronto. So, what do you think the long term plan is for him and the Raptors? I have about
3: as much an idea of this as the Raptors seem to after media day today, where <laughs> Masai Ujiri and Pascal Siakam both seemed like very much not on the same page, which is exactly where you want to be to start a new season with your best player and your you know front office head not really being on the same page. It's great. Everything's fine. nothing, There's no problems here to see. Everything's going to be great. New coach, great vibes. It's cool. Yeah, it, it was a, a strange summer for the Raptors, right? And I think, you know, some of the changes could be good, you know, nurse got let go at the end of the season I think it was just time to end that relationship it just really seemed to sour very quickly by the end of last season just like milk sitting out in the sun It just like oh okay that's bad no thanks (laughs) and they ended that and I think that was the right move I think Darko Ryakovich comes in uh, as a pretty interesting new head coach prospect obviously he's never coached before that's the sort of thing with a coach is you never really know how they're going to do in the job until they're in the job but you know as far as vibes on media day Darko was the only guy really putting out the good ones. He, you know, it seems like everyone's very happy with Darko. Uh, he seems to really kind of have a good sort of knack for c- communicating with the players. He's going to, uh, you know, shockingly run more than seven players on a given night, like Nick Nurse just simply could not keep himself from doing last season. That's very exciting. But it all does come back to Pascal sign a contract right now for near 200 million bucks over four years if the raptors want to and you would think that your two-time all-nba player who you can go extend right now would just have an offer to go extend but it does not seem like that's coming anytime soon and when you couple that with losing Fred Van Vliet for nothing in the offseason, which, look, you couldn't go and pay them, pay him what the Rockets did, right? 43 yeah. million bucks a year for Fred Van Vliet. Good for Fred. Happy he got that. But you could not possibly do that if, you, if you're the Raptors. But you lose him for nothing after seemingly thinking you had a pretty good shot at keeping him. They misread that market. And now you come into this year, not just with Pascal Siakam as a pending UFA, but OG Ananobi has a player option at the end of the season that he's absolutely going to decline. And Gary Trent is a free agent as well after opting into the last year of his contract in the summer and that just has this big sort of awkward question hanging over the entire team Is all right three of your five most important players are not under contract beyond this year what's the plan here what's the direction are they going to sign deals before the season starts and I'm not expecting that's going to happen with Pascal and I think that Mm kind of speaks to a, a bit of a mismanagement of the relationship between the Raptors and their best player and we got no closer to any sort of clarity on me Day. It's going to be fascinating to see if we see some sort of offer, but I'm not holding my breath at this point. And I think it just kind of speaks to the general state of disrepair that the Raptors kind of seem to be in.
0: Yeah, I, I would say the same. They're kind of one of those. I like to say, Sean, like a middling organization because there are times when you can have them in the conversation of kind of, I'll say the big three, obviously the Bucks and the Celtics. And depending on which year it is, it could be the Heat, it could be the Bulls, it could be the Raptors. So they've been up there and then they've also been at the bottom of the Eastern Conference kind of, and they've been in the middle, middling kind of, we don't know which, we don't know if we're the contenders or the pretenders. And then they've also been at the bottom of the barrel, kind of scratching their way even into the play in tournament. So yeah, very intriguing what This roster is going to look like, and where this Raptors team goes from here.
1: Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how that team, like, where it ends up by the end of the season. They have, like, no guards. They had no, you guys had no guards last year. No guards last year, Sean. And somehow you have less guards going into this season. Is it just, (laughs) it's just, just Scotty Barnes and Dennis Schroeder and, like, you're just going to say, hey, well, let's just figure Let it out.
3: <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it, it's pretty grim, man. I mean, there's a reason the Raptors were very much on the Damian Lillard, you know, sweepstakes train, right? Like, I, I think that was very real interest. And I do think they had like a real offer on the table. I know they get clowned because they quote unquote wouldn't offer OG Ananobi. I don't think it's as simple as that because I don't think if OG's in that trade that the DeAndre Aiton to Portland thing happens. And I think they prioritize that. And I just think Portland probably thought they could get more Drew Holiday than OG Ananobi at this current point in their careers and the, the sort of what contenders are looking for. And so, you know, that, you know, is a whole other thing. But yeah, like wanting Damian Lillard suggests that they do realize that guard play is important, in fact, and that pull up shooting is like a valuable thing to have in 2023. It's shocking when you look at the roster how little of that there exists here. You know, there's a pathway to this team being decent. I think their defense actually profiles to be pretty awesome. And I think playing a more conservative style than they played last year. Remember Nick nurse ball where it's like good players, send two guys there and figure out the rest and get, you know, a barrage of threes by role players put on your head. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I think they're going to be a pretty conservative defense with like really good defensive players top to bottom in their lineup. I think that's going to drive them, but the offense is going to be a real challenge and not having a, a, a pull up shooting guard threat at all. on this team is going to put a ton of pressure on Scotty Barnes to tap back into the mid range game that totally, totally, totally fell off a cliff for him last year it's gonna ask Dennis Schroeder to be FIBA Dennis Schroeder and not Dennis Schroeder, who we've known for 10 years and like, look, he's was awesome for Germany this year. He's been that awesome for Germany for the last 10 years in international play and is still Dennis Schroeder in the NBA. So if you're thinking, oh, FIBA MVP, he's actually an upgrade. No, he's not. He's just like a fine sixth man in a perfect world. It's a really, really strange basketball team. I I don't know what's going on. Up is down, east is west, whatever. It's going to be a very strange year in Toronto, no doubt.
0: Yeah, strange is uh, probably a nice way to put it. And, you know, Doug, you could kind of say the same for the Nets because it's kind of an interesting place where this was a team that within the last year or two was at the top of the sort of the food chain for the East, right? And everyone's thinking, okay, you know, you've got um, Kyrie Irving, you've got Kevin Durant, like this should be instant kind of add water mix Become champions. Didn't quite happen that way. So now this team finds itself really kind of maybe building around Mikhail Bridges. But I was wondering from your perspective, just being so close to the team, do you feel like they can actually build around him? Or is there a plan to maybe get another foundational centerpiece?
4: Well, I think if the Nets own their own draft picks going into this year, this uh, the Nets would be in a different podcast group here. They wouldn't yeah. be in the what are we? We wouldn't be in the what are we group. We'd be in the on the rise or what's next group. I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I can say that pretty definitively. But because they don't own their picks, they're in this very weird middle ground right now, yep. where they there's no incentive to tank and they don't have probably the talent to be with some of these other with some of the other teams in the east and they're stuck in this you know weird middle ground I think it's going to be it's definitely what I've what we've been referring to it as a gap year in that it's a let's just see what else we can produce from some of the young guys that they brought in from the offseason clearly they have one of the best contracts in basketball with Mikhail Bridges I mean he showed that he is a if not already a star, will probably be considered very much a star by the end of this season with the increased usage and efficiency and and really everything he's been able to do. The problem is beyond him. It's sometimes you have to squint to see it. You know where the talent is going to come from, where the scoring is going to come from, and you know we can talk Ben Simmons. There's a lot of different. There are some other different angles here. Simmons probably being the next guy up in terms of question marks around what the team becomes probably hinges on what he's able to come back and do or not do depending, but the mm-hmm. Nets are just find themselves in a very, very weird position right now. It's, it's, it's unenviable because most times with this group, you would easily just say full reset time. We have bridges. Let's see where we are in two years. Mm-hmm. We'll go, we'll tank and we'll grab some picks, but because they can't do that with the Houston picks, uh, you know, because of the the Harden deal, they just are going to enter a season where I really think they're going to be fighting for the play in, So it's, it's really not the spot you want to be in in right. terms of organizational sort of building, but it's where they are and their future looks bright with what, some of the picks that they have. But I do think that this could be a season that it, 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 it could, it, it could be a slog at times. And that's what my, yeah. one of my major concerns, just looking up and down the roster.
0: Coming up, what are the expectations for these teams but first, snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. And listen, you can visit FanDuel.com and include... Money, Their money lines, are props, so many opportunities there. And look, the NFL season is a great example of a topsy-turvy season where you'll probably need some good insight to help you to make the right bet. So again, visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with the official partner of the NFL. Doug, I feel like just like we were talking about earlier, that's kind of, I don't know. That's kind of the signature or kind of the mantra for the Eastern Conference. It's like you have one or two powerhouses and maybe three and it goes up and down right on who they are besides like the Bucks and Celtics. But it seems like the rest of the teams on any given day can be either at the kind of bottom, like three, four, the top four. They could be in the middle or they could slide very much to the bottom. And we never quite know which team at what point is going to be where in the pecking order in the East
4: in the range of outcomes there is a version of the nets that can exceed probably like get into some you know higher percentile outcome and be okay it's just that their margin for error is much smaller than a lot of these other teams just because yeah. there is a talent drop off mm-hmm. even with a full Simmons comeback season 2019. Simmons, every I mean, every, this no one says, no one says better media day vibes than Simmons. And then, but it's, uh, but you gotta just, you gotta wait to see it, right? So my guy I had to R. go. Has words for you, baby. You I was like, it. has Ben Simmons
2: learned to shoot yet? No, my guy, I, I mean, go, this is what I pre- mean. Like,
4: pandemic year to find a, <laughs>
1: the Ben Simmons year that would work. <laughs>
4: every everything was fine last year and then you know he does the interview this summer where it's like oh i was hurt all season it's like well okay so this is why you have to wait and see it right you just can't if i i i'm going to i i never want to do this b- because i just don't think it's good process in any evaluation but the Nets do represent for me one of those I just have to see what happens literally in the first preseason game <laughs> and then to begin begin formulating some more of my opinions because until that happens you just don't know. And I think that's usually a really bad thing to make any evaluation on because it's just too short-sighted and it just doesn't allow for enough like, you know, it just it, there's not enough heuristics to really kind of like formulate a good opinion. In this case though, <laughs> that's like there are so many different ways things could go like Simmons could look amazing. Cam Thomas is the sixth man. You know, there's just like weird things that can happen, but that Simmons could be on the bench and Cam Thomas could be on the rotation. Like these are just two things that could happen. I don't know. I just need <laughs> to see I really I just need to see a couple games in because they are there are a, a massive amount of question marks for a team that doesn't have enough talent to like really
1: dream super huge on what they could become. Can I ask, like, how are the Nets approaching Ben Simmons right now? Like, do they, are they touting him as like, he's going to start, he's back. Like he's, no. he's the guy, like, what are they, what are they planning on doing with him? That was a quick note no right there.
5: there.
2: It's,
4: it's right. It's ready. <laughs> they seem to be already maybe at odds around that. And no, everyone's, everyone's done a good kumbaya job here of going into the season and saying sort of all the right things. Like Simmons has said all the right things. Okay. Congrats. But And Vaughn has said all the right things. They've admitted that in the past, they barely even spoke last year. So that not, you know, not a, we'll file that into the not amazing category, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, and then, um, but, but even now it's, Simmons has said he wants to start. There's been no, Clear sign that that's going to happen from the Nets organization. No one said it isn't going to happen, but no one has said he is the starter. You know, and even like I mentioned Cam Thomas, and I don't think he's a huge linchpin player, but even he at Media Day mentioned something along the lines of like, well, I'm not sure exactly what my role is. <laughs> right. It's like, okay. Yeah. Season kind of starts soon, yeah. so maybe it would be great if it, if everyone knew what they were going – I think this is just sort of the theme of what the Nets have run the last couple of years is there are too many question marks. Sometimes the players seem to have question marks around what's going on. We The hope was that this would not be the case going into this year. It's not started off perfectly along these lines. And again, this is why – like honestly one or two preseason games might tell a lot of the story about what the plan is but no one has actually put it put pen to paper and said this is what we're doing
2: yeah doug i got a question for you and this kind of applies to sean too like does is there any heat then on the front office for kind of all of the turnover with star players that they've had you know bringing these guys in making these deals then shipping them out then bringing other ones shipping them out the draft pick situation you look at their future draft picks is just Bizarre a little bit for the next couple of years. But Sean, maybe you can answer this after. Yeah. Same with like Ujiri, right? Like he seems notoriously difficult to deal with. With all of with that, will they trade Ananobi during last season's trade deadline? And ever, he was one of the hottest names and like nothing materialized at all with that. Like, do they look at making changes to the front office on both these teams?
4: I can answer this one pretty quickly. I, Sean Mark seems like he is made of absolute Teflon when it comes. There are very, very few GMs that would be on their third coach and their fourth iteration of the team, and still have full sort of like immunity around whatever is going on. That just never happens. Again, like you can usually mark this stuff by coaching changes. It's like, hey, you get a couple chance, you get a couple bites of the coaching apple, and on your third one maybe it's you right like like so maybe maybe it's not the coach maybe it's you and right. yeah I think he he gets helped a little bit that the Harden stuff and the Kyrie stuff look not as bad in a vacuum because I mean clearly Harden seems like a head case here what's going on and or just okay let a head case he looks it looks like they might not be the easiest guys ever to deal with so maybe there's a Mia culpa there but I'm with you I'm shocked that there's not more discussion about a regime change just because the last thing went so bad and you engineered it. (laughs) So I just don't, (laughs) and I just don't, and I just don't understand it, but there is no hint that that job is anything but rock solid safe. And I just think if it was almost any other, like if it was almost any other regime, you would, there'd be major questions about it, but no one seems that just never comes up and that's where we've talked about it many times and it's very head scratching to me.
3: And on the Raptors, like, I think Masai Ujiri has a pretty long runway. way. I mean, he's won a title. He turned the Raptors from the Toronto Raptors into a perennial 50-win team and won a title. Like, I think he's got a lot of grace here, but I also think it is starting to get a little hot, right? Like, he's he just lost Fred Van VanVleet for nothing. You know, you talk about the, the OG Ananobi, will he, won't he trade and all that stuff. Like, part of that I get also, part of it, I think, is maybe like we get too like juiced up. All everyone has to make trades. That's how you be a good GM. Like I don't necessarily think that has to be true. Like I, I see the stat going around. Oh, the Raptors have the fewest transactions in the last three seasons. It's like okay, <laughs> like fine. It's not like you're not. Tr- it's not like you're trying to gain points by doing the, transactions. That's the not Spurs how the Spurs used to lead that every single
1: year when e- they were in exactly. their dynasty with Duncan.
3: Exactly right. So I don't think that's like a determinant of success. But I do think like there's a lot riding on this season for the Raptors. And if they lose Pascal Siakam for nothing, if they lose OG Ananobi for nothing, when going into the season with these pending UFAs, having just lost Fred for nothing last summer, I don't think it's necessarily all linked. Like, they could totally keep Pascal and OG. They have a track record of keeping their guys, but... If they lose those guys, I don't know how you look at it in anything other than a massive failure, considering Fred, OG, and Pascal were basically like the pillars of the Masayu era when yeah. it came to development, when it came to late draft picks, when it came to guys who were backbone pieces of not just the title team, but the post-championship era as well. And so they have to get this right, whatever that is. They have to hope this Darko Ryakovich hire works out, and they really have to hope Scotty Barnes becomes the star everybody thinks he can be because if not you're sitting here with a pick out the door for Jakob purdle who doesn't really fit very well with the, the best players on the team as a non-shooter fits even less well with fred van vliet not around like of course you have to start looking at the decision-making pro- process and say hey what's going on here yeah. Masai, he's it's a weird case with him because he has sort of cachet beyond basketball, right? Like he he is just sort of like a figurehead for the franchise that I think they are very happy to have in that figurehead role. He's like a very sort of inspiring leader. He has lots of ph- philanthropic stuff, Giants of Africa, basketball, Africa, all this stuff like I, I think they like having that part of the portfolio of the Toronto Raptors, as it were, but Bobby Webster, the GM, like he's totally, I think, very much on the table if things go poorly this year. And you never know the powers that be uh, you know, who own the Raptors. It's not like a single individual owner. It's a giant conglomerate boardroom at MLSE. If they start to realize, hey, things aren't going so high here with the Raptors. This is supposed to be one of our easy money tickets. And mm-hmm. this is not going very well. Then I think they could certainly start to look at Masayu Jiri and a change at the top. Like, I, I don't think we're far off if we're not already there from a lot of fans feeling like, hey this is kind of time to start looking at some change. I have a hard time advocating to fire Masayu because I don't think you're fine finding another Masayu out there, but it's certainly, it, there's an argument to say that 10 years into his tenure, that maybe things are getting a little bit stale.
1: God, what would that be like to not have a figurehead owner that would just go on every podcast that exists and <laughs> just like always talk and say things and man, like put pe- like try to get set up his players with dates with Taylor Swift.
3: Like who, who what would that be like?
2: <laughs> I have no clue
3: it has its ups and downs, right? Like, uh, I feel like there's there's positives to both situations. Uh, you know, there's no Tillman Tita running rogue at MLSE, but yeah, you know, you're... there's the odd board member, I'm sure, who's uh, you know got Tillman's inclinations, just doesn't quite uh, you know get get to p- put Lost those on display for the for the world to see. I bet your conglomerate <laughs> doesn't follow you on Twitter, Sean. <laughs> I think the conglomerate like is Twitter and is everything that we consume in Canada, considering it's the two telecom companies that run the entire <laughs> country that owned the team yeah if we're doing great up here in canada it makes perfect sense
1: so if sean's internet gets throttled at some point during this you yeah. can blame it on the no conglomerate
0: exactly we know why so i think sean and doug kind of tapped into this a little bit with like it's a head scratcher for them as far as what the expectations might be for the raptors and nets so nick and jake i'll start with you guys as far as expectations from your perspective nick What's the expectation for this Mavs team this season? And then Jake, how about the same for the Pels?
1: Oh, the expectation for the Mavericks is to just make the playoffs again. Like just be a playoff team, at least for me. I'm, I'm sure there are expectations from from fans that are a lot higher that will say, well, you've got to win a playoff series. It's just so hard in the West right now. Like everything's just so up in the air. Health is so up in the air. Like I don't know what's going to happen. My expectation is just get back in the playoffs. Be a top six team. Be, you know, a play-in team maybe that can get into the you know, they can get into the playoffs, like just make it back, right? The ship Doug keeps talking about a gap year. I feel like Sean has kind of talked about this as a gap year. I feel like it's kind of a gap year for the Mavericks in the sense that you've just got to figure out what you have. You've got to figure out what Luca and Kyrie are. You've got to figure out which of these young guys, which of these role players, Josh Green, Grant Williams, you know, Seth Curry, Derek Lively. Like you've got to figure out which one of these guys can be part of your, your building blocks moving forward. And then you build on that from there. They're like, I don't know. They're like three or four really good moves from being a title contender, but they've got to be really good moves. And you've got to nail some of these guys. Like they've got to be good early. And so, yeah, that's, that's the expectation for the Mavericks right now.
3: Nick, Nick, are we just like assuming Kyrie Irving is going to be normal for a season of basketball? Like that feels (laughs) dangerous. Doug, we just had media day. I was gonna ask you. I want. I was gonna jump in and ask like, what your right. threat
1: level threat level midnight here is on on, uh, on threat Ky- level on Kyrie Irving here threat level five a.m. Just woke up, feeling great. It's like Kyrie just said, "I wish that the this team and this organization would have drafted me. I wish I could spend my whole career with this organization." Jake just rolled his eyes, the biggest I've ever seen if we're, we're in the like weird honeymoon phase where the wedding yeah. just went awful, like it was terrible, but it was not the bride's fault. Like it was not their fault at all that anything went wrong. And now we're like in this weird honeymoon where we like went to a foreign country and we couldn't, our money wouldn't transfer over. And we're just, like... and so now I, I don't know when it goes bad. I'm just kind of like sitting here waiting. Like if you would have just listened to my sit down interview with, with Kyrie at media day and just watched that, you would have yep. no idea that that guy went through a national controversy yep. last year and the year before that with like all these different things.
2: Yeah, and couldn't you play did, home is games. It
3: pluralized that we're looking for here, not just. You, uh, also,
2: nice little flex of my sit-down interview with Kyrie <laughs> yeah, Irving yeah, that yeah, I did. He literally
3: talked to
1: Zion today. You could do the same. You could do the same thing. But I
2: was planning <laughs> on when I talk about the
1: expectations. I know here. you. I know you. Are. And I'll call you out the, the same way. But I, we're in the like honeymoon phase where it feels like he's he's settled in. He is 31 now. He's got three kids. Maybe he signed a deal. He got the deal that he wanted. And I feel like the two things that are different from his stops in the past, the things that will come back to haunt me later if, if it does, is the Mavericks know him. Jason Kidd was his favorite player growing up. Nico Harrison's known him since he was in high school. They have this history with all of them, that, that whole group. They The Mavericks front office went to Kyrie and asked him for his input on some of the moves they made. He really was a proponent for Grant Williams to come on this team. They went out and got Grant Williams. There's a connection there that I think he didn't have in the past. They gave him the deal that he wanted. He got a player option at the end of that deal, which may not look very good uh, on the surface, but if it keeps Kyrie happy and keeps Kyrie in a, a spot where he's going to like play basketball and continue to stay on the team, then, hey, you, you pay it, and then you hope that it works because they've made this decision. They've taken this risk, and now they've just got to gotta deal with it at this point. So while my, hey. your, my, my hot take here is I actually think, after just, and I've spent – Thousands of
4: hours just talking about this guy in the last. No, I've couple listened of years. to them. I actually think it's going to work. Like I actually am one of the few people that is going to say I actually think at least for a season mm-hmm. it is going to work, and he will be Point like the bar to clear. <laughs> I know. I, I, okay, let me put it differently. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be awesome. Like right. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be. I, I want to just say good. I don't think. I'll go beyond, he'll just be normal. I think he's going right. to be awesome for the he, was <laughs> he was an all-star starter last year. He was good played. last year. No, but Doug said the whole
0: season. That's the that's the critical think, piece of what Doug is saying. I think it's the
4: whole season. I think it's multiple seasons. I think he has yeah. it in him to do this. I, I think that there's, he's, I, I won't say much you. I think there's a definite weird vibe from him for sure. And I think there's times where he talks where I, my eyes physically can't roll any farther into the back <laughs> of my head. But, but <laughs> I do think he has it in him to turn it on here in a situation that he probably i like probably does see as positive i doubt he's lying about that and so i actually think that he there was a weird part of his thing but there was also this like sort of a lot of very weird circumstances that some of by which that were his fault and some were not and i just think he pulls it together and it's just like puts
1: together a crazy statistical awesome season we have to to say it's a big difference between brooklyn in new york and here in texas like i i kind of feel like that's gonna be a big that might be
0: a starting point yeah just the the yeah just the atmosphere like you know southwest versus northeast coming up what questions do these teams need to answer but first recently i was trying my best to get to the Renaissance tour, right? And I had a little bit of a challenge with my tickets and right about now getting Braves tickets, what a frustrating experience, but you can get around some of those things if you're like me and you try to get the tickets on the cheap last minute, We got something for you, and that is Game Time. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, Basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off L O C K E D O N N B A. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Joe entered the chat, so I want to bring him into the show and kind of talk a little bit about the Grizzlies. Kind of get you caught up, Joe, because, hey, look, I know inquiring minds want to know, including this inquiring mind about a sort of, where the Grizzlies are, because, you know, it's it's a weird place to start the season because you won't have Ja Morant for those first 25 games. So it's kind of where is that organization right now in terms of preparing for life without Ja and kind of who you see needs to step up to get to keep the the Grizzlies in the conversation as far as the top of the West.
1: We suspended yeah. Joe for the first 20 minutes of this episode. I yeah. yeah. yeah my, he just didn't want to come budget. on. He's
2: standing in solidarity um, with John Morant here.
5: No, you know, I, I thought about just boycotting it entirely because I was put in the, what are we category? And I think I stand for DeMichael Cole, my co-host and I, when I say we, we, we reject that statement uh, and no offense to the people that are also here, very talented, hosts of their various locked on shows. I would say the Grizzlies are a contender in the NBA. FanDuel did and, not. Yeah. Well, FanDuel has them, uh, I think like eighth, eighth in the odds and that sort of thing. And you know, but, I, I think which,
2: which playoff round did they lose in last year?
5: Uh, they lost in the first round, uh, but Dang. thankfully that oh doesn't God. have anything to do with this coming season. Otherwise, that would mean the Pelicans would not make the playoffs yes. at all, and oh. they would, you know shots just fired. Watch it off to the side. Um, but that's probably what's going to happen anyway. I think that if you look at this Grizzlies team, it starts and ends with Morant. But I also think that this Grizzlies team, for the first time in the John Morant era, made moves. With their eyes to the playoffs. And that's probably, and I was, you know, subtle joking there. I think that the Grizzlies are in a fair place in terms of what are they, because of that reality, because they're acting like a contending team for the first time. It was the first time in the Zach Kleiman era as GM that they went out and they gave up first round picks to bring in someone like Marcus Smart. Yeah, It was the first time that they made moves in the offseason that looked like a contending team actually looks. So DeMichael Cole, my co-host, and I, we're kind of in the same boat. We're not quite sure what we're going to get because whether it's the first 25 games without Jaw that was revealed today that Morant's going to be with the team the entire time, which is phenomenal for the Grizzlies. I don't know how much it's yeah. going to help John Morant, you know, tune in to Lockdown Grizzlies for that conversation, say, hey. uh, but it, but it helps the Grizzlies a ton yeah. and it allows for them to hit the ground running when he does return. But the, the biggest question for them is usually around Christmas time, you have a good vibe for assuming health and all that sort of stuff, who your team is. Because Morant's going to be out so long, you're not going to know that until closer to the trade deadline. So the Grizzlies still have all their first-round picks. They still have multiple tradable contracts. They could make a move for somebody if they wanted to, but we have no idea what this team's going to look like until much later in the season. And that really does limit our prognostication as to where they align in the current standings of the NBA.
0: Yeah, but one of the good things, Joe, is and I'll just kind of put a nice spin on it, not Mm. having a job for the 25 games might just bring a healthy job. And so as you get deeper into the season and going into the postseason, that's where you might get, that's where the Grizzlies might actually get a lift from not having him. So that said, I think you make a great point as well. Maybe getting a Marcus Smart is more playing chess and not checkers when you look at what the Western Conference is about. So you get him after 25 games, you're getting close to the trade deadline, you still have the ability to do some things kind of where do you expect this team to be when it's all said and done at the end of the season?
5: I think that the first 25 games, everybody on this round table is going to be making fun of me because they're going to be about, (laughs) they're they're going to be about 10 and 15. Well, I said this recently on on another podcast. The, The, the thing about Tyus Jones is he was an excellent starter and a not good reserve, right? Like Tyus Jones was not good as the true backup to Morant. He was a good substitute teacher. I like to say, So I think Tyus Jones is going to have a great season with the Washington Wizards because he was a good starter for the Grizzlies. However, Marcus Smart, for those that watch, and I know I got a a couple of Eastern Conference friends on here, Smart playing true point guard is not great, and and I'm not really looking forward to that in these first 25 games. I could see Memphis being like 10 and 15 the first 25, below 500 by several games. But I'm on record as saying I think they're going to be the best team in the NBA from December 19th forward. Because I think that highly of what Morant, alongside Smart, alongside Bain, Desmond Bain, going to have another opportunity to take a massive jump. Jaron Jackson Jr. is playing for a contract extension that could be over $300 million if he makes all NBA. <laughs> so he is very much interested in having a great season. I think that you're going to see a renewed John ja Morant. In their media day interviews, both Derek Rose and Marcus Smart made it very clear that they're not there to babysit Morant. They're going to push him. They're going to make him uncomfortable. I think it's the very best thing the Grizzlies could have done. They already have their stars, right? Jaron Bain and Ja are probably three of the top 40 or so players in the NBA. They've got those dudes. They don't need another one. Maybe they wanted another one, like a McHale Bridges, OG, and an OB. You know, those types of guys would have been cool to have, but they got a guy who's going to help accentuate and build these young players. You know, you compare it to Boston when Marcus Smart helped bring up Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Obviously, with uh, Smart taking that role with these young Grizzlies, I anticipate a similar leap. So uh, I I think that they're going to be the best team in the NBA from that point forward. It depends on how slow their start is you know, in terms of seeding in a loaded Western Conference, especially a top-heavy one at that.
3: Well, just imagine how good their start could have been had they kept bronze medal World Cup hero Dylan Brooks (laughs) on the roster, baby. 39 on the U.S.
5: Kill yeah. yeah. I, I look forward to him coming and really testing the integrity of the rims at, at FedEx Forum in Memphis when he when he comes
3: for his revenge game and he shoots three yeah. for twenty. Oh my gosh um, bricks. Yeah. He could never he's a changed man, much like Kyrie Irving, Dylan Brooks is a yes, changed man right. after this summer.
5: <laughs> Both of those guys are just gonna completely turn over a new leaf. It's one hundred percent
0: gonna happen. But it could happen because Jake believes that Zion Williamson has evolved and has grown. So that could actually benefit oh, sure. the Pelicans, right, Jake? So what are the
5: expectations? But they don't if want him to grow right. anymore. Isn't it the opposite? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh,
2: shots fired again. I mean, look, if you want to take him from like somewhere between 6'6 six, six and 6'8 six, and make him seven foot, that puts him on a Giannis level. I thought you meant like girth. Like the, I thought we were talking
0: just the right. evolution of different, mind. Different and size. Okay.
5: All right. I'm sorry. Sorry. Girl. Sorry, when I say growth was Zion, I'm not I'm yeah, I'm in a different plane,
2: but that's okay. <laughs> so in my exclusive one on one sit down interview hey. with him, I had a, uh, media day to hear. Always uh, uh, you know, he said the expectations for the team were, you know, for a good season or to win the NBA championship. And I think that's not necessarily realistic for the Pelicans here, but he's coming in with very much a different mindset. You can call it yeah. Zion 2.0, Zion 3.0, just bought more in than he ever has been before. And if he stays healthy, this team can be really good. And there is definitely a theme at Pelicans Media Day today, yesterday, Monday, whenever people are listening to this, that they know they have to win. Like they know they have to win. It's kind of a prove it year. A make or break year for this entire team and look there were some rumblings of would they trade Zion this offseason because of the issues they've had with him in the past but if they go out and win and there's enough talent on here I think to fight for home court advantage in the in the Western Conference I don't know if they'll get that far but they were first in the West last year for an extended period of time they were top three seed for an extended period of time without brain Ingram as Zion carried them as long as he's healthy this team is going to be very good very competitive they're very excited about what the offense is going to look like new associate head coach James Borrego former head coach of the Charlotte Hornets kind of revamping the offense a little bit everyone's just got this business-like mentality about them because they know they need to get things done this year you you know it's similar to what Nick was saying you've got to get into the postseason right like number one that's the biggest thing but I think you need to at least look competitive in a first round series as well I don't know about winning a series because it is that hard in the West right now with it just being an absolute arms race but their their expectations are are playoffs the minimum seed or better. And I think that's gonna be really realistic for him kind of based on the approach that everyone's taking. And I think you'll finally see if, if and when Zion gets hurt in the regular season, which is gonna happen at some point, it won't be like a season ending injury for him. He'll be able to kind of come back from that sooner rather than later because of the new approach the team's taking.
0: Yeah, now I'm gonna ask you guys a question that doesn't deal with your team, going to kind of ask you to point to another team on the panel. But if you look across our panels, Raptors, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Nets, other than your own team, which would, which team would you say has maybe the quickest path to being a true title contender this season?
1: Whew. If Zion plays, I think it's the Pelicans. I think they're I think they're that deep. I know who I can look at their roster and say, okay, this is they're they're ten players deep on guys that I would play in the playoffs. They have guys that can take leaps too. Trey Murphy, when he goes back from injury, can t- can take a leap and that could push him forward. If Zion's healthy. I mean, he's all NBA, and there's only a couple here that have all like all NBA. There's only a couple of all NBA players here, so I think it's probably the Pelicans just because of their depth. I'm supposed to say the Mavericks. I just think that they're a, they're a couple more moves away. They don't have the same kind of depth, even if they are more
3: top-heavy than the Pelicans are right now.
0: That's why I, I let just, you off the hook and said you don't have to say your team. Pick another one from the panel, so you're good, Nick.
3: <laughs> with the Pelicans, like in theory, I am with you, but I also can't, like the if Zion's healthy thing, it's been proven that we can't count on that, and so... I'm not going to go Pelicans. I think I'll probably go the Grizzlies. Like, I, I think they're their backbone of Jaw, Desmond Bain, who, boy, oh, boy, I really wish the Raptors took 29th in that draft instead mm. of Malachi Flint. Welcome to the club. Uh, <laughs> but, like, Desmond Josh Bain, Green. Jared Jackson, Jr., I it's think cool. Marcus Smart's really good to help At least help Desmond that
5: Bain team. wasn't in your backyard, right? Like, at least Desmond Bain <laughs> literally didn't play down the road from your franchise, and
1: you had plenty of TCU is not in the backyard, but, yeah.
5: Uh, it's it's around close, the backyard. It's in the neighborhood.
1: Am, right? Heh
3: heh heh. Anyway, I think it's the Grizzlies. I think they're they're like star <laughs> talents incredible. I think the backbone yeah. of their defense with Jaron Jackson Jr., if he's on the floor, which he was not on the floor. People will remember when Canada beat the United States for the bronze medal at the FIBA World Cup. I don't know if people remember that or not. Um, but like, you know, Jaron Jackson, if he can stay on the floor, he's one of the best defenders in basketball. There's no question about it. I think the top end talent there makes it so the Grizzlies are probably the team here. Um, but, you know, I guess like Luca also kind of gives a team just an avenue to winning a title. I just don't totally believe that they're ready yet but that super young you know set of dudes they're hoping will kind of be his next wave of great teammates I I think they're probably a year or two off so I'll go the Grizzlies that is way too much hate on one of your own, Omax Prosper. How how
1: dare you? He's ready, he's hey, ready right now. Hey, I love Omax.
3: I'm in. I, I actually think Omax like profiles very similarly to OG Ananobi as a rookie, where he had yeah. like a 6% usage rate, but was awesome on defense. It was just like exactly what you need with other high usage guys out there. I think he's going to be awesome.
1: Except he's like the size of Siakam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what say you, Doug?
4: Yeah, I think you got to just go Luka and the Mavs I, like between that and Kyrie and the, the and what they added in the offseason. Like, li- like if you get like if you get like elite rim protection, let's say like lively is like just ready. I'm not sure like he's, he's super young and raw, but that's kind of exactly what they need. And what you said before about like these low uses, but defense first guys like, Omax, oh, who I wanted the Nets desperately to draft um, and uh, Grant Williams like those were just like the perfect pieces to add around those two other guys that really just could literally take all the shots and be super 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 efficient so I just think that that team I don't think that's like super likely but if there was a team that could really exceed expectations like come out of the gate where everyone really gets along and they're everyone's just playing the best version of themselves that team the Mavs could be really awesome there's just, there's, it's just—it's fraught with peril with some of the other
1: the other things that are going on. <laughs> no, but no, you already—you already, you already said post. it's going to go well, Doug. You can't—you can't go back. <laughs> I
4: on do. It. I, I love. I lo- I think the maps. I think I, I think they made every right move this offseason. Honestly, I think they this kind of nailed everything, and I do think it's realistic. I don't think they can win the championship, but I think they can. I think they're probably being slept on in like a weird way just because of how yeah. last season ended. But no, I, I'm really bullish on the Mavs.
2: I like it. I, I think it's the Grizzlies here because they're the team that's kind of done it before in terms of their record, right? Yeah, you're missing John Morant for the first 25 games here, but there's some depth. They know how to play together. They're well coached. Um, as Joe was saying, they've made moves to kind of really go a little bit more all in and try and solidify some of that depth, I think. And I think when you look at their track record, it shows it, right? We've seen Luka do some things in the postseason, but I'm still worried about Kyrie Irving. I'm a little bit worried about the depth there. I think I just look at, of all the team here that I would trust the Memphis Grizzlies more so than any other one.
0: And I would probably have to say the same. I'd go with the Grizzlies. And mine would be a little bit less about the performance and maybe a little bit more about rounding this team out. So when you have someone like a Derrick Rose, who's very respected, and then you have someone like a Marcus Smart that's kind of, you know, at 29, he's not quite young, but he's not old, but there's enough maturity. He was kind of that one of the hearts and souls of the Celtics team. I feel like maybe bringing him in to kind of settle and help a Ja Morant to mature, to help to do the same thing for Desmond Bain or even a Jaron Jackson... Those are sort of those intangibles also that can help you to kind of settle yourself and understand the importance of putting yourself in position to be a true contender with the Nuggets or with the Warriors or whomever, you know, ends up in sort of that top uh, one or two space over in the West.
1: Yeah, between the Grizzlies with Marcus Smart and the Mavs with Grant Williams, our team just took the heart and soul right out of the Boston Celtics. Like that's going to be a really (laughs) interesting team to watch.
5: It's cool. They have Christos Persingas. It's going to end perfectly for the classic, (laughs) classic heart and soul guy that
1: loves being the fourth option on offense. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. (laughs) When he's actually available. So that'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see as well. Unless we say, you know, in Western conference is kind of that quirky one as well, where, They've got their one, two, and I don't know if you've even called it a two punch. I feel like it's the Nuggets and then everybody else. I just feel like it's still kind of up in the air, depending on how all of the new pieces and all of the shifting pieces kind of fall. But good talk, guys. This will do it for episode three, the Ultimate NBA Season Preview with teams that we're unsure of. To find out where all of the NBA teams (laughs) land this season, check out Locked On NBA and get all six episodes of the Ultimate Season Preview. See ya.